Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Berizuki. And welcome again. It's Growing in Grace. My name is Joel. And that guy over there is Mike. And we're getting together for our weekly chat about the grace of God. The grace of God that he has freely given to us that we can rejoice in every single day because it's not something we've ever done to earn. It's not something that we could ever lose because of anything bad that we do. Uh, And uh, you and I, Mike, we like to talk about this because it's encouraging because, you know, there's just a church world out there. It's our brothers and sisters in Christ with often very good intentions. But there's a church world out there who who preaches a gospel, a so-called gospel, that kind of mixes together law and grace and really uh, makes for a very weak gospel that isn't really the real gospel. And so it's encouraging when we can get together and talk about the pure gospel of God's grace. So I hope you're doing well this week, Mike. I'm uh, having pretty good week. I'm just, I've been doing a lot of reading of people's blogs, uh, getting encouraged in God's grace, and uh, fellowshipping with some people around the, around the country and around the world, too. And what you're talking about, Joel, with uh, the church world, sort of watering the gospel down, mixing law and grace together, that's not a personal attack. No. It's just reality in that they're kind of passing along what was passed on to them. Mm-hmm. And we really just don't know any better unless unless we hear it in the way that God intended for us to, to understand the gospel. Once we begin to understand what the gospel really is, then it, it becomes a very powerful thing. But so many of us who have been raised up as, as Christians, perhaps attending church or Bible studies and so forth, we've, we've just misunderstood because I, I think we, we, we start with our, a foundation of the old covenant. And I think it's almost one of those things where you, you almost need to start in reverse, start with the epistles that Paul wrote uh, on the other side of the cross and work your way back and then you begin to realize a little bit more uh, about this wonderful uh, thing that Jesus Christ did the finished work at the cross. Yeah, I suppose uh, computer geeks would call that reverse engineering. <laughs> uh, it is something that would, I think that's true. It's kind of how I really did myself got to understand the gospel. That I heard the solid gospel preached uh, week after week in, in a church you and I used to attend, Mike. And uh, just to hear that preached week by week and, and so many old Testament things began to make sense to me, and, and and just the understanding of okay, a lot of that stuff was a type or a shadow, but the real thing, the substance, is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And we're in a new covenant. The old has gone; the new has come. And, and in fact, uh, one verse in the Bible says that the old covenant has become obsolete. We're standing firm in a brand new covenant where God has made us new creatures, new creations. It's all a work of his grace. The old covenant is something that nobody ever kept. That was the reason a new one was needed, the Bible says. And so we're thankful for this new covenant that God has given us freely and made us beneficiaries of. Well, one of the things that we were going to talk about this week is something that, that sort of starts us off in, in, uh, in the uh, book of Matthew, where um, we were told to repent um, and when I say the word repent, I, I'll bet a lot of different things come to the minds of a lot of different people who may be listening today. Uh, what, what comes to your mind when I, I say the word repent, Joel? 
Well, kind of, you know, the things that I had al- always been taught when I heard the word repent was stop what you're doing, stop the bad things that you're doing, and start doing good things. That's essentially what it was. It's it's uh, you're you're going one direction with your sins, and you need to do a complete 180 degree turn. Stop your sins and turn around and start going the other way. That's essentially what repentance uh, has always meant to me. <laughs> so it's what I've always heard it meant as anyway. Well, probably because somebody told you that's what it was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which takes us back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. And there's partial truth to some of this. It's just that uh, sometimes we read things into the Scripture that aren't really there. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that quite a bit, too, that sometimes uh, our interpretation of the Scripture is based on misunderstandings in other areas of the Scripture. Yeah, that's true. And, you know... Uh Mike, a little bit ago I mentioned that I had been uh, spending some time getting to know some people kind of around the country and around the world, and a lot of this is through blogging. While we're talking about this, I just wanted to just mention something that kind of got my mind thinking about this today. Uh, A friend of mine that I've come to know through the world of blogging, he's listened uh, to our our program, and uh, the other day he, he did a blog post in which he mentioned our program, and I won't read the whole blog post, but he he said something uh, about this. He, he talks about how he has struggled to, to believe that God loves him. He says, I think a lot of it stems from not having a father growing up. I never had any father-son interaction, so I never got to see firsthand what a father was supposed to be. When you combine that with growing up in a church that stress works over relationship, you get me, a guy who has trouble in any close relationship, especially with God. And he says he was listening to our program, and one of us had brought up uh, the verse from John, uh, from 1 John 4.16, where it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And he he's goes on to say that, you know, his his trouble, and it's something that I can relate to, and I'm sure many people can, is the part about relying on God's love. He says, we know all about God's love. He says, I've taught it, I've preached on it, I've counseled people about it. I really do believe that God loves his children, but do I rely on it? And so he, he goes on, you know, talk a little bit more about that. And in the end, and this is what got me thinking about repentance and, and the true meaning of repentance, uh, he says, more than anything, maybe learning to rely on God's love is a change of outlook. God wants to shower his love on us. In fact, he does shower his love on us, but we miss it because we're looking somewhere else. And so, you know, I was looking in uh, in Mark where Jesus was saying that, uh, well, it says John, you know, John the Baptist was put in prison. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, or or believe in the gospel, and so I, I went and I looked up that word repent, uh, just to uh, just to kind of give a a definition. Maybe a lot of our listeners have heard this, and the word repent there actually means to think differently or afterwards. That is to reconsider. So my definition that I had heard all my Christian life, change your behavior, isn't really what repentance means. It means to think differently or to reconsider. And so what this uh, friend of mine is saying on his blog, maybe learning to rely on God's love is a change of outlook. It's, it's repentance. It's, it's changing our mind about our understanding of God's love. In other words, changing our mind to believe 
that God really does love us and that he is showering his love on us rather than trying to go around trying to change our life around so that we'll get God to love us. Well, and keep in mind, based on everything you just said, Joel, and, and you've, you've been sort of making it sound to me like God is, is talking to us about this, and he is, but at the time that uh, Jesus first mentioned this, when he told people to repent, remember he was talking to people who were under the bondage of this religious code that we call the law with all these rules and regulations, and, and this is how we, we get to God, and... and uh, and this is uh, how we achieve success in his covenant. And, and uh, you know, he, he's telling them to have a change of mind. Yeah, because the whole system that they had been under, you know, was, was a system of law, was a system of, of works. There's one way to relate to God <laughs> through, through your works. Did that ever work? <laughs> you know, has, has relating to God through our good deeds ever really worked? Of course not. You know, the Bible makes that clear. As, as we said earlier in the program, that's why the new covenant was needed. So repent and you know, change your mind. And instead of trying to relate to God through your, through your works, through thinking that any of your works will actually please God or, or give you a better relationship with God, believe the good news. Believe the gospel that it's... Uh, through Christ's righteousness, not our own, that we relate to God. Well, as Paul said, if righteousness comes through the law, if, if being right with God is based upon how well you perform, then Christ died in vain. In other words, there was no reason for him to come and die if you can a- attain to a, a place of righteousness, right standing with God, through your good deeds. That's right. And so if it, if, if it is of our own works, then, like you say, like that scripture says, Christ died in vain. Is, I mean, it's my hope that that understanding would get through to our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, because this, uh, this false gospel, or this weak gospel that isn't really the gospel at all, is being preached around the world in churches, and it's keeping people from understanding the truth of of God's love for them that's not based upon anything they do and his faithfulness to them and and the gift of righteousness that that we talk about all, you know, all the time and so the repentance that we're talking about today is is not a change of behavior uh you know I, <laughs> this reminds me I saw a uh, there's this uh, woman at work and every time I see her walking down the halls of the hospital, she is in a hurry. She's always walking fast. It's like wherever she's going, whether whether she's trying to get from place A to place B or place C to place D, whatever, wherever in the hospital, she's always in a hurry. And it just seems like she's always stressed out. And I'm thinking, you know what, I would really like to see her just go slow just take it easy and i was thinking about that today going you know what you know what it's going to take to get her to stop going so fast is is not telling her you need to slow down it's having her change her mind about what's important because i think the reason she's stressed out is because she thinks she's got all this stuff to get done she's in a hurry to get all this stuff down whereas if she would just change her mind and say you know what this stuff will get done when it gets done I need to enjoy life. You know, this being in a hurry all the time is not helping me to enjoy life at all. So if she would change her mind, then her behavior would change. But it all starts with the change of mind about, really, the good news. The good news to her would be, you know what, 
it's okay. Uh, life is great, and, and, and everything's okay. So I'm just kind of relating that to our view of the gospel and of, of the ways that we try to fulfill you know, righteousness. Sometimes we try to do it by our own works, and we need to repent and just simply believe the good news. One time my pastor asked us, and it's always a question that sort of sticks in my mind, he asked us, if Jesus were to come back today, he's already here, but if he were to come back in human form, and, and start his own church, what do you think that church would be like? Well, we don't really know the answer to that, but it really does stop and make you think as you meditate on it. But one thing is for sure, uh, you, can, you can almost bet that there are people in the church world today who would be looking down on him just like the Pharisees were. Because you know what? Jesus didn't, at his church, he, for some reason, he doesn't go out with the dinkin board for lunch after <laughs> church is over. He's always hanging out with the hookers and the homosexuals and those drug dealers across town. Mm-hmm. He's always doing lunch and eating with them and hanging out with them. He never hangs out with us Christian people. I mean, you can almost imagine the, the criticism and, and the, the religiosity that would be uh, being uh, thrown at Jesus uh, if he were doing the same things today that he did a couple of thousand years ago when he was walking the earth. Yep. I mean, it would just be so totally different. It would just, I think, really blow the minds of a lot of church people from today. You know, today. Well, unfortunately, time's run out, Mike. Uh, these do go quickly. We can maybe pick up on this next time, but uh, we got to end it for this time. But I'm Joel, along with Mike, and this is Growing in Grace. We do thank you for being with us, and we'll be back with you again next time. Check us out at graceroots.org. Hope to see you again. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Baruzaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ.